Welcome to the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new episode of Secure Your Strategy Podcast, where your host, Chloe Mastagi, provides strategies to leaders and managers on how to repair critical issues in security and tech. We're glad you've tuned in. It's time to secure your strategy and your stakeholder approval. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Welcome to ITSP Magazine, and this is a special podcast series where we dive into all the strategies out there on when it comes to securing your security team, or when you're trying to approach the board or VCs, how do you go about any problems that are in your industry or in your organization? And today we're going to be tackling, of course, the strategy of humanizing cybersecurity. My name is Chloe Mastagi, and I am the host of Secure Your Strategy with ITSP Magazine. And with me, I have the co-founders of Hacker Valley Media. I have Ron over here, and then I have Chris here. Say hello. 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 Thanks for having us. Yeah, glad to be here. Oh, I'm excited for this. So let's first, uh, Chris, why don't you share a little bit about yourself, and then Ron, pass it on to you. Yeah, I would say that I've always been a a creative trapped in the body of a technologist. I was in cybersecurity as a practitioner for about 15 years have led some really, really cool initiatives. I've been at the National Security Agency. I was in the Marine Corps, been at Netflix. I've uh, really run the gambit, but now uh, we're all about storytelling. So we make everything from podcasts to videos to mini documentaries. Uh, we really run the gambit. Nice. And I will say that I'm a technologist trapped in the body of a creative. And that's why <laughs> me and Chris work together so well. I love to think about Technology as a whole is why I fell in love with cybersecurity many years ago. And I just love blending in both of the creative and the technology, because I think that there's a a new intersection that emerges more and more each day. I can agree more on that one. And guys really balance each other out, too. (laughs) We do. We do really well. Yeah, I, I wish mean, we planned it that way. It just kind of happened. <laughs> see, and that's when you know you have a good like co-host, but also like a co-founder is when you yeah. balance each other out because you need someone like that who's going to have a different view of things to balance. And so, of course, we're going to have to go into content. You guys create a lot of content. And it's also it's a way to like humanize cybersecurity and for people to get intrigued and wanting to learn more, especially if there's like apathy but also to give people what it's like to be in the shoes of someone else in security. So tell me a little bit about what has been some of the pushbacks that you've had and how have you gone over that pushback? Uh, If we got any pushback, I I wouldn't say that anyone's like really pushed back on humanizing cybersecurity. I think it's more about just showing people that cybersecurity can be human. A lot of times we get caught up in the bits and bytes. We get caught up in the emerging threats, the news stories. We get caught up in the vulnerabilities. And we talk about the technology quite a bit, but we found a a space where we weren't talking so much about the human side of cybersecurity. And Ron and I, we've always been deep into things like personal growth and development and some of the softer skills of just being a human being. And so we thought, what if we could unite these two things together and that be sort of our contribution to our community? We honestly just set out to bring 
great information, great knowledge from people inside and outside of cybersecurity to that cybersecurity practitioner. And that's how we got here today. I'd say the only the only pushback that I've ever seen is really the FUD. You know, when we're looking at helping people, I think the biggest reaction that you can get out of someone is by scaring them. I think the the way humans grow the most is also through fear and trauma. That makes us change immediately. And we try to do that in cybersecurity. And that's one thing that Chris and I and Hacker Valley Media has really strived to take an opposite approach on. Because I think even though fear is an inciting incident for many people, so is inspiration. So is motivation. So we're trying to, you know, bring more of a balance into the cybersecurity industry as well by showing the creative side, showing the wins, and also showing how people are being inspiring rather than just scaring people to use the technology. Uh, like triggering and hope, right? Which one exactly. is you're gonna get the exact <laughs> same reaction, but you're gonna feel very different. <laughs> when mm -hmm. reacted. Um, so when you're trying to walk that tightrope, because I always feel like when it comes to anything creative around content, when it comes to, you know, marketing security, one of the issues is you're going down this very fine tightrope where marketing teams are like, well, okay, we can scare people to buy our product or we can make them believe that we provide everything, the magic potion to solve mm -hmm. all their security issues. So when you're walking down that tightrope, what are some of the strategies that y'all do to try to stay balanced on it so it doesn't position into selling like snake oil or, you know, or positioning in a way like, you know, go and hide under a blanket and you're not going to sleep for the next few days? One thing that we try to do is bring in new perspectives. Uh, we've had so many people on our podcast. It's been amazing. We've worked with so many people in and outside of cybersecurity. And sometimes you just wanna be like Mike. You wanna be like Michael Jordan or whoever is your biggest inspiration. Um, in our case, we brought in Simone Biles and we had you know someone bring in a fresh perspective of, hey, I also have an adversary in my field. I'm a gymnast, I face other very talented gymnasts, some of the most talented gymnasts in the world. And here's how I face adversity. Cause a lot of the times, the technology is part of the solution, but also it's how we handle the challenges that are in front of us from a personal level, from a communication level. So bringing in different perspectives to show that, hey, it is about the tech, but it's also about the people and the processes. And here's how other people that have inspired have approached these processes and, and, and challenges. One thing that Ron just really, he nailed it. And it's the fact that I really appreciate scary movies. And the reason why I appreciate scary movies, I didn't realize this <laughs> until a couple of days ago. <laughs> I realized it's really easy to get that inciting incident in a scary movie, right? If you think about it, everything's kind of normal at one point, And then all of a sudden the zombies come or here come the aliens or the ghost in, is in the house. That's easy. But in order to get an inspirational story, that's much more difficult. So trying to find a way to motivate people to find that way to give people something to strive for, to hope for, is a little bit more difficult than trying to scare them. And so that's where we've always stayed. We stay on the hope side. We stay on the positive side when we have these conversations, when we do this content. That's interesting about the Simone Biles bringing someone who's the outsider, but that like... Ron, you're spot on. Like sometimes you need someone outsider to be like, well, I've been through other things. It may not be a security situation, but I also know how to be resilient. 
mm-hmm. and struggles and, you know, knowing that that's part of life kind of situation. And then Chris, like what you're sharing about horror movies. So I remember there was this one time I had a creative idea of what if we did like a kind of like a fun video where we would all be, say for example, we would, it would be like a holiday, like season's greeting kind of thing. And what would happen in it would be like a, you know, you get that phone call. We all know that dreaded phone call on Christmas Eve where Mm -hmm. we are dealing with an incident and you've all been drinking. So it'd be like a shot of someone drinking. And then you have a shot of someone (laughs) like, you know, hanging out with their kids or like talking with their family members and they all get the text message. And then someone goes into the room, closes the door and like screams and, and all this. And then it would be like, you know, wishing you the best holiday survival this holiday season. And I thought that would be such a funny video to do (laughs) because in my mind, I'm thinking this is a really, it's playing with something incredibly serious, but for people to understand, like this is an actual thing that happens all the time during the holidays, Mm -hmm. but at the same time doing such a project. And for those that would view it, it may trigger them because they've gone through that. And they remember that, that horrible moment and someone to see therapists and are still recovering from it. Like, uh, like a, a PTSD moment. So then I'm like, okay, so there's times where when we're trying to be creative and play, sometimes we are disconnected from the actual users. Mm -hmm. And so in those moments, what are some of the, some, I guess, best practices that y'all have done to make sure that you're always aligned with the audience. And if you've made mistakes, you know, we have, if you had, how did you learn from them to be able to carry on? Yeah, we always make mistakes because sometimes the story we want to tell isn't necessarily the story that people are ready for. And a lot of times when you create content, the first thing you should look at is who is the intended audience? Who are we trying to reach? Are we trying to educate people that don't know about cybersecurity? Are we talking, preaching to the choir? Do we want to have a conversation with cybersecurity practitioners? Do we want to talk about something that they aren't wanting to talk about, but they feel we need to have a conversation about? Whenever you really understand the audience, whenever you understand that demographic, whoever it is that you're trying to speak to, that's when your message, that's when the content will really resonate with the audience. You know, on top of that, I think we face this challenge all the time in cybersecurity of telling these affect stories and reaching the audience in a way, especially when we're speaking to executives or the board, it's almost like there is a disconnect a lot of times because of our vocabulary. I think vocabulary is really everything. If I were to speak only in acronyms and talk about HTTPS and did you see this over here, this uh, this exploit, the CVE, did you get the CVE ID? It's like, whoa, hold on a second. Like, what is all this abstraction and language that you're using? Um, I believe that every mistake that we've made on, you know, our creative journey has come come down to language or expression. Uh, We hired a vocal coach a while back and she helped us with articulating our words, pacing. If you heard, I haven't really been saying um for the past few minutes because I've just taken my time a little bit, but also using my face as a canvas. If I lean in, raise my eyebrows, that means I'm trying to invoke an emotion. If I use the vocabulary along with that expression, then people are going to be more entertained. And then hopefully they listen a little bit more along the way. And so when you are kind of creating these ideas, they themselves are 
you know, where are those ideas coming from? Is it something like, okay, what are some of the things that are going to be talked about at this conference? Or uh, I've been in these conversations that keep coming up. Maybe I should do that kind of one. Or is it one of those things like, what are the top keywords right now that we should be talking about? Mm -hmm. yeah, Which ways have you gone about it? I would say it's a mixture of all of the above. Sometimes it's just that trend. Everyone keeps talking about a, a topic. So let's tackle it. Let's figure out what's going on in this space. Sometimes it's something completely out of cybersecurity that just gives us a, a, a just a little a spark of uh, interest and curiosity. And we think like, what, is this something that we can explore? And sometimes we experiment and it falls flat. And sometimes we experiment and it just goes off without a hitch. But I would say it's a mixture of things. I would say openness is one of those characteristics that I think we need to have a little bit more of in cybersecurity. I think by design, we're, we're pretty closed off and we're even a little bit uh, distrusting of our environment, which is good from a cybersecurity standpoint, but it might close us off from other experiences. It might close us off from other knowledge. So every opportunity that people get to kind of open that window up a little bit and let some things in, I think can bring us that more inspiration that we're looking for. I'll give the technical answer because this is why me and Chris work so well together. When I'm really trying to get a message across, I will take a piece of Chris's, Chris's advice and I will act as if I'm the other person. Whoever I'm trying to give the message to or the story to, I'll act like I'm the other person. But what I'll also do is I'll make a flow chart or a, a, or a mind map. And I'll say, if I say this, what are the possible things that the person will respond with? And then I like to traverse that mind map and make sure that when I do speak to someone, especially if it's on a very important topic, that I'm equipped and armed with all of the points that I think they're going to be curious about. Uh, Chris had this cool exercise that he showed me a while back about treating someone like your mentor that's not your mentor yet, asking them the questions mentally and seeing what they say. Maybe you're one to one and like what you ask this mentor, though, the response will be the same as you imagined. But it might be different, but that also gives you more opportunities and ideas for things that you could do. It's like putting on glasses where, you know, you can see like a dragonfly. And for example, like you'll be able to see all the different ways of how to view something versus this is what I'm thinking. This is the way I believe things are running and how people will respond to it. Now I actually am going to test this out like a. I keep thinking dragonfly, but it's like a dragonfly <laughs> view of the world. The power of imagination. Right? Mm -hmm. Right? And so, <laughs> you know, this kind of reminds me of that kind of talk of like, okay, when we're coming up with like creative ideas, how how do we deal with people that might be like the uh, the people that are always the no in the room? You, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? You know, the ones that like, oh, I have this cool idea. We could do this. And then they're like, no, or like <laughs> not going to happen. Um, where did you get the data for doing something like that? No data, no. Um, and, and if you're a creative person, that's like the part where you just feel like creation just died in that one moment. And I remember reading that there's like the, I think it's called the Disney method. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but basically you, what you do is you bring a group of people into a room and you tell everyone, be the dreamer. Think of all mm. the ideas in the world, but you cannot be negative about the idea. You cannot... <laughs> You know, you cannot break down the idea how it's going to fail. Just do all the ideas in the room. So everyone who mm -hmm. enters this room has to be creative. 
and big picture thinking. And then they bring it to another room. So then you go into a different room and in this room, you bring all those big picture ideas and then you, you bring it down, like, how would this work? Mm -hmm. And then from there, you go into another room where now you go into the detail of like, what will be the purpose of this? And what, how is it, is it not going to work? If there isn't going to be a parts that are going to work, should we just remove this one item? So you kind of tailor it down, but then you allow for everyone who is that big picture thinker to analytical thinker to feel accepted and immersed in a room where other people have to take on that hat as well. I don't know if that's something that you all have done or something as a practice to help people reduce that no immediate no. <laughs> that that's our job every day is to <laughs> to to help people out. And sometimes, you know, you might deal with someone that has a negative first mentality where they like to dissect the problems and and really tear something apart because it's it's good to look at things from all angles. I love that Disney method, by the way, too. I mm. never never tried it, but I can almost imagine going into a room full of security practitioners and telling them that line, like, hey, <laughs> use your imagination. Don't say no to anything. People will be like twitching and jump in. They wouldn't know how to respond. What? <laughs> Because it's, it's hard not to look at some of the negatives sometimes. So what I like to do is just get curious. If someone says that something's a bad idea, I'm genuinely curious as to why. Like, why do you believe this? Uh, maybe I have something to learn or maybe there's a way for me to build a better relationship. Um, a lot of the times when someone says no, it's not necessarily a no, it's really a yes, but. So I kind of try to look at it from that perspective and then uh, do some Socratic questioning where I'm like, all right, well then what about this? What about that? And go deeper down the, the rabbit hole. Yeah. I would say that we do a little bit of this in Hacker Valley, right? We come up with ideas all the time and then we try to figure out how they might work. And there are times where we're working with folks and we might think it's the best idea in the world and they don't think it's the greatest idea ever. That's when I had to learn that not every idea is for everybody. So maybe you're working with a team that is like, ah, that, that, that idea is not for us. It might be for someone else. It might be an idea that you just keep in your back pocket and you wait until you find the right team or the right people to do that particular idea with. But I wouldn't get disheartened by it because it can be disheartening, especially if you're a creative and you're coming up with all these ideas and people are telling you no. But it might be just a case of like just holding on to it and making sure that you share those ideas with people that you think are going to be receptive to it. I like that the point about putting it in your back pocket because maybe it's not you. It might be just the people that you're working with may not want to do that item. So wait until you can find the right people to do that item with. I don't think I've ever heard that. that there's, a, way. there's a really great quote that I heard one time. It's called, it's not that I'm not right. It's that I'm not right now. And mm -hmm. like, you know, ideas, they come and go. And sometimes these ideas aren't good at the moment due to like many things. Like it might be the technology doesn't exist to support your good idea or the team's not big enough to support your good idea. Yeah, that's true. You, you need to take in all the considerations, all the players, what's on their plate, what's on your plate, and then the participants in it. What would that look like? So how do you all go about trying to push more creative content forward? Say, for example, if the company is kind of stale in a sense, like they're not coming out with anything creative mm -hmm. um, and it might be they don't have enough time or there's too much uh, pushback 
or internal gatekeeping or right. any of those things. So yeah, how would you advise those type of situations? I would say first you have to look at who you are as a company, right? What do you stand for? What are the personalities, the traits, the values that you bring to the community? And then you start to walk backwards from there. And once you have that, then you want to understand who are you speaking to? Who is that audience? And then you try to marry the two together. If you are a company that has a lot of life and a lot of comedy, it might be a time where you have to try that comedy, give it a shot and try that comedy with that particular audience in mind. Uh, I would say that the worst thing you can do is just say, oh, this is how we've always done it. And so we're going to keep doing it this way. But if you really want to stand out, if you really want to make a connection, especially if you don't have the connection with the community that you're looking to have, you have to go back to the basics, understand who you are, understand the things that you care about and want to talk about and want to help people with, and then tie that to the people that you're trying to reach. And boom, there you go. Now you're creating content, at least mentally. Now you have to find that medium in which you're going to do it. Are you going to start creating podcasts like this one? Are you going to start with social media posting? Are you make images? Are you going to do videos? Are you going to really index on like a YouTube channel? Then that's when you start to pull together that strategy for creating content. What I see happen sometimes is you'll go all in on one thing before you know that it's going to work for you. Uh, I've, I've been guilty of this. I think we both have uh, Chris and I, and I would imagine you too as a content creator uh, is sometimes it's just good to experiment and experimentation has nothing to do with sharing it with the entire world. Experimentation is trying something new out, like going back to the, to the sharing an idea and getting it beat down from someone that might be a good thing, you know, especially if you have a video idea and it's not well produced, you don't have a video editor these things just might not work out, but at least you'd have a pilot. You might have a script, something that you could share for when that opportunity is ready. And I think that we're all able to express ourselves creatively in many different ways, whether it be written, spoken, uh, acting. We just might not know how to tap into that yet. And I think the more that we put the reps in, the more that is more, the more that is visible to when it's time to tap into that uh, skill. So how do we tap into creativity for people that struggle for creativity? The best way to tap into creativity is remind yourself of when you were a kid. I mean, that's when it really started for a lot of us, whether we're doing make-believe, whether we are playing with action figures or we're playing in dollhouses or whatever it is, we're, you know, playing different games you do as a kid. You start to imagine, you make believe like, oh, what if or imagine if. And as you get older, you start to get locked into different systems, different systems like traditional education. You get locked into a job. You get locked into certain things from a family perspective. And these aren't bad things, but they tend to set up situations and systems in which it doesn't leave a lot of space or if we don't at least let it give us a lot of space to have that imagination. All you have to do is start to remember those things like when you were a kid. And once you remember that, then you can start to open your mind to the other possibilities. I get ideas all the time that have nothing to do with cybersecurity or even Hacker Valley. And sometimes I'll just sit around and, and I'll play. I'll, I'll make uh, a funny skit uh, through audio or I'll make a, a, a crazy TikTok or Instagram video just because it's not what I do, but I love to exercise that creative muscle. So those little bits of inspiration that you get throughout the day once you've kind of opened yourself up, 
even if you don't send them to anybody, even if they're just for yourself, it'll allow you to flex that creativity muscle a little more. I've always been envious of people that were able to be creative when they were a kid. I was way too embarrassed to be creative. I didn't want to draw publicly. I didn't want to dance. I didn't want to sing. But it wasn't until I had my own place as an adult to where I started to explore my creativity. I started to sing in the shower. I started to do impressions of random people and, and random <laughs> characters. And it was the privacy that really allowed me to be creative. So just like Chris is saying, whether it's whether when you were a kid or as an adult, put yourself in that environment because the environment is at least one thing that will get you closer. The mindset as well, but uh, the environment is one thing that you do have control over. Your mind is, you know, very volatile. You might have these random thoughts or, or, uh, you might be self-conscious, but I would start there. Yeah. So having a safe environment and also not to be afraid of risks in, in a sense, or just being right. able to let yourself be free for one moment. Don't let your head like tell you that's silly or like be your age or, you know, that's not your role or anything like just go for it and, yeah. and, and just have fun. That's what creativity is about, is having fun. However, there 100%. are times where it starts feeling like creativity becomes one of those things where you are not wanting to do any of it because you're so tired. So how do you prevent kind of like a creativity burnout in a sense? You got to embrace it. It's going to happen. Uh, if you do anything for long enough, you are bound to get burnt out of it. And when that happens, I think there's a few things that you could do. You could try something new and completely give it up, or you can double down on it. I think either of those, you're going to learn something. I think being open to the idea of learning is great. It's going to feel like tension, especially when you learn something new or you try something new out for the first time. I, I remember this uh, time when me and Chris were hanging out and we went to this open mic night. And in my mind, I've recited so many prompts. I've read my journals out loud to myself. And I thought, okay, I have my journal here. I'll just get up on stage and read my journal. It was really hard. It was really hard because people were expressing themselves in ways that I wish that I was able to express myself. And now I, I would imagine if I went back on that stage, I would be a lot more confident because I've, I've gotten a lot more reps in. But during that time, when I was so confident in this one thing, I felt like it was really, really difficult. And I think that's part of the process. That's one of the hidden elements of burnout is burnout. You might not actually be burnt out when you're really burnt out. One of my uh, favorite inspirations to watch on YouTube is David Goggins. And he's a former U.S. Navy SEAL. And he says that really when you feel like you're at 70%, you're really at 30%. The human capacity and capabilities are vast. So I wouldn't count myself out and say that I'm burnt unless I'm very sure of it. Yeah. Also like perfectionism, right? You're kind of mm -hmm. tapping on that, right? When you are trying to be perfect, you're going to get burned out. You're also never going to be yeah. creative. And I don't remember there was an artist that once said this, which was something around the lines, like when imperfection is when creativity and beauty happens. Mm -hmm. It's when you start living. So, okay, Chris, your turn. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have to agree with that. Uh, you can't be perfect all the time. That's going to definitely burn you out. Uh, and striving for perfection is kind of a fool's errand. 
But when it comes to getting burnt out when you're doing something creative, uh, sometimes it's time to take a break. Sometimes you got to switch things up. Maybe it's not necessarily you're burnt out with being creative, but maybe you're burnt out doing that particular task that you're doing. So maybe switch up your creativity. Maybe try something completely different, something out of your comfort zone, or just take a break and don't create, just enjoy. Sometimes we get caught up in producing all the time. We're constantly producing. We don't take a lot of time to take things in. If you look at stand-up comedians, they'll take years, 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 especially for that very first special years of observation and understanding of the human condition. And then they'll stand up on stage for an hour and they'll present what they've seen. And then they'll do that over and over and over again. It's very similar to how people should create today. A lot of times we, we get caught up in production and we don't take things in, but I think the more you can take things in, the better you're going to be able to create. So find that balance of being able to take information in, taking in inspiration, taking in stories, and then go back to production when you're ready. I like that. All really good tips. Well, thank you so much, Chris and Ron, for being on here today with me. And, you know, if anyone wants to reach out to them, they, their information will be posted below the video, but also in the podcast that you're listening to on ITSP Magazine. So thank you all so much. If there is one last takeaway, if you had 30 seconds of your best tip on being successful in this industry when it comes to being creative, what would that be? And go. No pressure at all. You want to first, Ron? I would say start today. Um, see what you can do today and let that lead you into tomorrow. Nice. I would say that remember that everyone has that inner child in them. No matter how mature they are, no matter how powerful they may seem, there's still that inner child. And sometimes when you make content that really appeals to that inner child, it really, really sparks something in them. If you look at things that focus on nostalgia, look at things like Stranger Things, very nostalgic for, for people that came up in that era. So just remember that everyone's a kid uh, at their core and you'll be all right. I like the tip. I will still not watch Stranger Things. I cannot handle horror. I don't know how you do it, Chris. I can't do it. Horror is great. I think it's awesome. Well, thank you all so much. And I look forward to having you guys back on for another. Absolutely. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Secure Your Strategy Podcast with Chloe Mastagi part of the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share this channel and itsbmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.